Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other technology topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by my co-host Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Shaheen Khan from Orion X. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another scintillating and potentially very sarcastic episode of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by Henry Newman, Shaheen Khan, and Jesse Lanham. What's going on, guys? How's it going? It's going really well, Dan. Although we normally wait like 15 seconds before one of us talks just about now. (laughs) I'm cranky, Dan. No. No. You cranky, Henry? Yeah. Really hard to believe. It's true. So what, somebody throw a ball in your yard or something? (laughs) Get off my lawn. You know what? That ball's mine if it comes in here. Folks, there is no lawn. It's ice. Yeah, there you go. Somebody throw a snowball I I dug a moat for the neighborhood kids. (laughs) Yeah, he's moated up. I have no lawn, only spikes. Yes, yes. Just tiger pits. Well, isn't that whole uh, cryogenics kind of good for your uh, complexion? Um, no, not really. Don't people like pay to go get frozen up and athletes do that? Yeah, it's yeah. more of a sports yeah. therapy thing. I don't approve of it, but I think people do it. So, our topic today is Shaheen's big trip to the quantum computing zoo. Fair. How did that go? Well, fair zoo, whatever. Every episode we cover another state fair, right? Yeah. So this one was the quantum computing state fair. There's a company called QCWare. They do development environment and consulting, and they put up a show called Q2B. And it's a fantastic show. All the who's who, the rock stars of quantum computing are there. The attendance at the show has been pretty much doubling every year. This time they had about 500 people attendance, if I'm not Mm. mistaken, pretty close to it. First day was a boot camp. Second day was a status of the market. The third day was parallel sessions focused on major application areas. Really a wonderfully done show. I like the culture and management of that company. How was the food? The uh, food was fabulous. Oh, good. Uh, this was uh, held at the beautiful Fairmont Hotel in San Jose, ah. which is definitely a destination. And the whole thing was done extremely well. It was just a must attend if you're interested in quantum computing. Interesting. Computing and food. I'm there. So what else did, well, did you learn? Generally, the walk away is that somebody put it really well, that quantum computing is overhyped and underestimated. Mm. And that, I think, is a good description of the space. So it's still early days, but a lot of progress is being made. And it's just an area that if you're interested in, you got to track because a lot is happening. And it's happening across the world. Besides the usual US, Europe, Japan, China is a growing presence in this market. They probably publish more papers in quantum computing than anybody else by like a factor of two or three, put a lot of money in there. But Canada punches above its weight, just like it does in AI. And hockey. Australia is there. And hockey. Yeah. No, Lots no, of punching. Dan, do not punch. I do not believe they punch above their weight in hockey. It is it is a national sport, Dan. I mean, you know, there's a lot they get right up Back there. to the sports therapy podcast. So back to quantum computing. The buzzwords of the space continue to be quantum supremacy. We covered already what Google had done in this space a couple of few episodes ago. Quantum safe cryptography is an area that has been in the research topic for over a decade, and we continue to not have to worry about it yet. We're several years away from existing cryptographic functions being vulnerable, Mm. but there's a lot of work being done to improve them because, of course, 
when you're trying to encrypt, you're not just doing it for today, you're doing it for 10, 20, 30 years from now, which means that what we encrypted 10, 20, 30 years ago is all vulnerable. Mm. And then the current state of the systems in quantum computing is NISQ, NISQ. NISQ. And that stands for Noisy Intermediate Scale Quantum Computing. So they're noisy because the fidelity isn't quite there yet for universal fault-tolerant quantum computing. They're no longer just a handful of qubits. They've got into double digits, triple digits. If you do quantum annealing, even four-digit number of qubits. But you need a lot more for certain applications because you don't have the fidelity and the perfect superposition. So that's intermediate scale. And the application areas continue to be optimization, like traveling salesmen, traffic management, AI and machine learning, which itself is another application of optimization because you're trying to find a minima on a surface. And then uh, problems that are already quantum anyway, like quantum chemistry or material science or pharmacology. Quantum communication is there with classified applications. And of course, cybersecurity because of what we just talked about. Mm. And then in terms of algorithms, uh, we are moving in addition to provable algorithms you're also getting some heuristics, quantum-inspired algorithms that's leading to dequantization as a strategy to tackle problems. And the primary motivation for the market, in my view, and some others, continues to be fear of missing out. There's just so much happening that you want to have a seat at the table, and that requires big bucks in the absence of a real market out there. And all of that is allowing the space to accelerate and move pretty fast. So we're going from really fundamental research, math science, computer science, more towards productization. So that's a skinny on the state of the quantum market. So how long until we actually have something here? You know, Google demonstrated quantum supremacy for what was admittedly a kind of what I called embarrassingly quantum application, kernel. And that was the generation of random numbers. Turns out Provably random numbers actually are pretty important in many applications, Monte Carlo simulations and many others. So it sounds like they do have one use case now that is using that kernel to uh, do something semi-useful. But I would say we're still a few years away. I attended some of the tracks, for example, quantum chemistry, which is an area that should naturally lend itself to this. It is very clearly early days. I mean, the whole thing is just kind of wild west. Mm -hmm. And that also means there's a lot of unpredictability. There's a lot of stuff happening that may or may not bear fruit. They may, they may not. Uh, so we're in that kind of a zone. And time frame on the zone changing? It's hard to tell. It's like debugging. It's not done until it's done. There are some new approaches coming that are promising. We started out with quantum annealing and D-Wave and some others have that approach. We've moved to the gate model, which is taking advantage of the infrastructure for classical computing and apply that for quantum computing. And that leads to trapped ion, trapped atom strategies that are starting to look promising. There's also photonics, and that actually doesn't need refrigeration. And you can envision having like your cell phone run some quantum computing happiness in there. And then there's some other approaches of which one promising approach is topological approach. And that topological approach is a way of managing quantum error correction, because if you get the topology right, then a misshapen topology can still be the fundamental topology. Like when you get a donut and you misshape it into like a coffee mug. Hmm, interesting stuff. Anything else from the conference? A very exciting area. And 
feels like AI did maybe 10 years ago. A lot of new stuff happening. It's still kind of relatively easy to keep track of it, even though you do need a pretty deep science background to really grok it, like the guys who are driving it are. But it is starting to get a little bit more simplified as time goes by. But even to this day, when you look at a typical quantum computing company, something like 90% of the people there have PhDs in some yeah. relevant science field. Gene, let me ask you a question. Mm. Was that not the case in the beginning of a lot of the computational sciences and a lot of the stuff? You're absolutely right. Very good point. Yeah. No difference. Yeah, exactly. I think in the early days, that's what you need. And then the other thing I saw that was very interesting and good was the government labs that are involved in driving this. And really everyone that either got up to talk or participated, there's just a lot of deep knowledge there that is doing a lot of good work. So very, very encouraging. That was nice to see. Very cool stuff. Given that sound in the background, I would guess that Henry has a reason why nobody should ever be online ever. I do have a reason for this week. This is a sad one because it involves technology. Cyber heist news, but basically somebody calls you and says there's somebody going to be taking advantage of your credit card, you should call the police. They call the police, the call's intercepted, and then they get all the information. The police ask for the social security number or equivalent, which was done in the UK. So they basically take over the telephone switch. Mm, that sounds nasty. It is nasty. And when you've got people, lots and lots of people using uh, various systems that are not going directly through some of the big carriers, you probably have higher probability of being able to do this. So watch out. Everything is not as you see it. And it's getting really bad out there. And just so you know, Dan, for our last show of the year, I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to be depressing around the holidays. Good move. As if you're not depressing enough. I don't want to depress myself, basically. Instead, you just choose it to do to everybody around you? No, I'm not going to depress anyone. Oh, good job. Do you want to like do an every other show where you come up with reasons why somebody should be online? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there are lots and lots of reasons every day we live, Shane. Just the medical technology is a good reason everyone should be online. Touche. You That's see there, you're right, right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. And Jessica, I think that you had uh, some things that people pretend to know, but they don't really know, or maybe they don't really know. You know, one of the things that people pretend to know, but they don't know is like the name of this segment. Yeah, I know. I forget every time. Every time. Every time. I like get ready for Dan to announce it. And I'm like, what will it be today? Yeah. Yes. So things you think you know, but maybe don't. Much like the name of things this segment. Things you think you know, but maybe don't. There you go. And in case you couldn't have figured it out, it's quantum computing. So for those of you that listened to most of this episode and were like, what is he talking about? Shaheen. What exactly is quantum computing <laughs> and how is this going to make our lives better and give good specific examples? You see, quantum computing is about not doing things in order, just like we're doing this show. Yeah. Exactly. So let's go do a quickie intro to quantum computing. So quickie. Very quick. Quickie and yes. <laughs> well, you see, for once, I'm actually explaining things people do want to know, Dano. Yeah, true. So it all started apparently in 1981 when Richard Feynman got up at a conference and says, nature is quantum. And if we want to 
pursue it, we need to build a quantum computer. And it turned out that building quantum computers is really hard, but it's not impossible. Okay, so what is it about? It's about managing probability functions and those Hilbert spaces that I mentioned. And it hinges on quantum superposition. Quantum superposition is like that Schrodinger's cat, which is simultaneously dead and alive, and you don't know until you look at it. That half-dead cat. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, not half-dead, actually. We, we just don't know. I got a pretty good idea. If you translate that into our taxonomy for computing, you can come up with a qubit instead of a bit, and a bit is either a zero or a one. Qubit can be zero and one according to a probability function. So now if you feed this one qubit with a state and then another qubit with a state and then have a controlled interference between the two, you can get that interference to cause a superposition that will then give you the probability of the answer, so to say. That's kind of the whole idea, is that can we do that? So I translate that into probability functions that you can control. Now, Richard Feynman said that in 1981. In 1994, Professor Shore of MIT came up with the famous Shore's algorithm that does prime factorization with a quantum algorithm. And then Grover in 96 came up with another algorithm and then in 1998, people came up with quantum annealing, which is an optimization thing that uses quantum. So the thing that makes it interesting is that when you look at classical computing, if you've got n bits, those n bits represent a single n bit state. Whereas in quantum computing, if you've got n qubits, you've got two to the power of n states all at the same time, not in parallel. It's not like you're pursuing them in parallel, but they're all represented. And if you reduce it to the answer, you just get the answer quickly. So that means that the speed up that you can get is from exponential to polynomial. If in classical world, your algorithm is order n, in quantum computing, it could be square root of n. If it is two to the power of n in quantum time, it could be n or n squared. So you could, in principle, get massive speed ups for the right algorithms that lend themselves. So the prize is just so tempting that pursuing it becomes interesting. Good stuff. So why we're excited about quantum computing speed. Okay. <laughs> so that's why everybody's working on it. And Dano is done with the topic, it seems. So we can stop. <laughs> I'm just looking at the clock. You good, Jesse? Yes, sir. We are good. Good job. For now. For now. So, given that other sound I hear in the background, it's time for the catch of the week. Henry, you got anything? I do not. I've, I've been busy this Okay, week. that'll save time. Makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the clock. What do you got, Jesse? All right. So for my catch of the week, the Emotet malware is using fake invites to a Greta Thunberg demonstration to launch itself. Mm. And yeah, so Emotet is this banking Trojan that goes after your personal information. <laughs> and its new snazzy way of enticing people to click on its email attachment is an attachment entitled support Greta Thunberg dot doc. Wow. And as much as malware is terrible, <laughs> it kind of warms my Grinch heart that this is the cause they picked that they were like, this is sure to entice clicks. Youth activism for climate change. We got them. <laughs> nice. So that's going on right now. Very nice. Shaheen, what do you have? Well, since we were talking quantum... Oh, God. You're going to go into it again? <laughs> Here we go. Let's just do a category killer thing. <laughs> There's a... If you look at SMBC Comics, they've got one that is focused on quantum computing. And they did it together with Professor Aronson. Scott Aronson at UT Austin is one of the rock stars of quantum computing. 
together with probably half a dozen others. It's a very nice comic style cartoon that takes you through what quantum computing is. And it basically is a mom having a chat with her teenage son who finally emerges enlightened about matters of quantum computing. (laughs) Well, if that's not heartwarming, I don't know what is. Truly, truly. I think it should be on the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) Yes, yes, there should be a movie about this on the Hallmark Channel, which would be great. So with that said... And on that note, let's go ahead and call this an episode of Radio Free HPC, and we will be right back at you, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening. 